Karen Garrahy and you're listening to Theron and Friends. Welcome to episode eight and thank you so much for the feedback after last week's episode. Out of all weeks, it really meant a lot to get good feedback last week because I had my mom Claire on and she was very nervous. She mightn't seem like it because she's, like if I say so myself, she's a great storyteller. She's very relaxed on the podcast. Beforehand she was nervous, afterwards she was nervous and I got a call this day last week saying, well, are we charting? So it's been so great to be able to pass on your lovely feedback to her. And yes, I do think there is a book in her, some sort of a cookbook. I think we should expect it. And at the very least, she should write down some of the recipes and share them on Instagram. And if she does, I will point you in her direction. Now, coming up, makeup artist to the stars, Paula Callan fills us in on her experience with the queen of makeup, Charlotte Tilbury, darlings. And everything would be like, oh, darling, darling, your skin <laughs> is so beautiful, you know. And our brilliant psychologist, Alison Keating, is here dealing with a listener query about all things sex, particularly kink. Do you think people talk up how, you know, how kinky they maybe actually are? It sounds a bit Samantha-esque, doesn't it? <laughs> This season of Theron and Friends is brought to you by FNF Fashion at Tesco, your one-stop shop this summer season to dress the whole family. I have to say, I quite like it when the first Monday in August falls a little bit later in the month and you have a full week to look forward to the bank holiday, a full extra week to plan the bank hall staycation with mates or bay. And if you're doing just that, may I suggest that you have a nosy around your local FNF, available in over 80 Tesco stores nationwide. At the moment, they've got some gorgeous maxi and wrap dresses in bold colours, stylish and versatile, whether your break will involve indoor or outdoor occasions. And the great thing is they've invested in quality materials that are fail-safe and will exist beyond seasonal trends. I'm always so glad to know that whatever I'm buying is going to get a repeat wear. Total win. Whatever you're up to, enjoy the long weekend. FNF Fashion at Tesco. All right, let's get into it. Here's Paula. Okay, let's start with skin. And I think people really, I feel like Charlotte Tilbury has been leading the charge with how important skin is. Maybe I'm wrong. As in, as a makeup brand, because obviously mm. there are skincare brands, there are makeup brands, but Charlotte Tilbury tried to do both. Charlotte Tilbury has done an amazing thing. She has marketed her brand to the normal person, but to like make them believe that they're like a supermodel. Yeah, and so it's true. The best marketing ever, like the best. I think she is an absolute genius, and I worked with Charlotte for years like when I was working with Mac we used to like work with all these artists like in London Paris Milan New York and I always worked with Charlotte I just loved the way she did makeup for me it was like she does beautiful makeup that's my thing yeah like I don't like weird I used to I used to always say to people when I used to do fashion week I'm like oh sometimes you just have to do ugly makeup (laughs) and it so went against my grain I was like I used to be to the mo- I used to say to the models like I'm so sorry about this. I'm so sorry because <laughs> you'd be handed a brief of what you had to do. We'd be given a brief, yeah. and we had to do it no matter what. It was like even if you didn't like it, it was like you shut up and you do it. Like yeah, I remember one show where the models' faces were like nearly they were made to be about like three shades paler than what they already were. Yeah, and then we had to draw a black line through like from their dimple, say <laughs> yeah. straight through their mouth to the other side. Oh God! Like they looked like Beaker from the Muppet <laughs> Show. I was like, I am so sorry. You're so like, sorry. you're like crying doing it. <laughs> but like, I 
like you see all these gorgeous models and you're like, I'm so I'm so sorry. Like, I have to make you look like this weird looking creature. Yeah, like. not easy. But with Charlotte, you do a show with Charlotte. Yeah. And it was just like, oh, my God, I really just want to get my hands on this. Like, you know, every girl just looked gorgeous. Yeah. It was like Victoria's Secrets multiplied <sighs> by a thousand. Like, and she always did these gorgeous like. We used to always call them Gucci eyes, you know, yeah. just everything was like glossy and beautiful. And Charlotte wouldn't just do a face. She'd do a whole body. Yeah. Like straight <laughs> down to hands. And yeah. I remember she used to come along to the shows. And this is where, she, you know, the magic cream started. Yes. Because she used to come to the shows and the girls used to always go, oh, Charlotte, have you got your magic cream with you? Because she'd make up these potions and she'd bring them to the shows. And every single model loved Charlotte because she treated them like they were royalty. Yeah. Whereas I had done other shows where the models would be treated like, I don't know, like objects, ma- mannequins. Yeah. Yeah. And I'd just be like, you know, there's a person attached to the hair that you're reefing like. Yeah. And I remember having to say to a few hairdressers, like, because there'd be girls, you'd see the tears falling out of their eyes Stop. while they're reefing out of their hair. And they'd be like 14, 15 year old girls. And I'm like, seriously, like, stop pulling her hair. And they're like, oh, whatever. And they just keep on doing it. And I job like, to do. Just shut up. <laughs> yeah, it's awful. But she was awful. But like Charlotte, I just loved everything about her. Like everything. She just like, she was, she was like mother hen. Yeah. And she treated everyone that way. Now, if you did something wrong on her, she'd also tell you, you know. Yes, but, yeah. Which is great. You knew you where you stood with Charlotte. Yeah. But with skin, she was always like from the very bases she would have the girls looking good from the inside out nearly yeah and inside meaning she would have them feeling like they were supermodels like every single one of them and they'd go out there just with this demeanor of like oh my god I am just amazing and then that's good for everyone absolutely yeah like she would be massaging their hands she'd be like rubbing stuff on their collarbones and everything would be like oh darling darling your skin <laughs> is so beautiful you know oh, I love that I know she's so good so you learn so much from her but okay so so much from Charlotte yeah so on but a I base I love what she's done yeah with her brand so on a base level the importance of skin do you think Irish women have like grasp that because I I think Completely. even from social media over the past 10 years or so I think yes. it's finally clicked well with me anyway it's like there's no point in any of it unless you look after your skin totally yeah totally I have been trying to say this to people for years like I've been doing makeup nearly 30 years and the difference the difference in makeup but also so many things are the same yeah so the fundamentals are still there but we have so much more to choose from now it's yeah. unbelievable. And I think that Irish women, more than anyone, like in the whole world, have like cottoned onto this more. Yeah. I don't know what it is. It's like they've suddenly had this like rebirth of like, oh my God, I'm amazing. Like I need to look after myself. Yeah. And that's what they should do. In terms of trends, because obviously the likes of TikTok and stuff, it's constantly evolving. Yes. I, like I remember the latest one I saw where I was just like, oh, come on. Now oh, maybe, no, maybe it is it's good. The putting on bronzer first and then doing your foundation. <laughs> do you know what? There's so many different ways to do makeup, but it's about the end result. Yeah. So, I mean, I could do that. I could stick on like the lipstick first and be like, oh my God, it's a new trend. I put on the <laughs> lipstick first and now I'm going to paint around it. You know, yeah. everyone would be like, wow, that's amazing. Well, it's not really. <laughs> yeah. And also longevity wise, it doesn't last. I remember you, said, you saying that during Dancing with the Stars, you were like, oh no my makeup doesn't budge. Yeah. <laughs> I 
remember I got home and I hadn't been touched up since like just before we went on air and it was like yeah. seven hours later and I was having Chinese with my family and I was like, I still look phenomenal. <laughs> <laughs> I look still me, look angelic. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, trends, I, that probably is annoying for you. For someone who's a, a diehard and knows what works and what doesn't. Yeah. When it comes to choosing a foundation that works for you and your skin, yes. what are your tips there? So I think we'll start by saying what the biggest mistakes are. Okay, great. So for me, some of the biggest mistakes are people thinking that they have to use something full coverage or they'll use the wrong color, you know? Yeah. And it's just like, there's so many ways to do makeup. Like this is why you have to go, don't go and wear a foundation because your friend is wearing it. You know, it's not going to suit you. Like everybody is individual. Everyone is different. Yeah. It's like that thing when I started doing makeup and everyone wore Elizabeth Arden toasty Toasty beige. I remember it well with the sponge. With the sponge that stank. Stank. It was gross. So gross. Like when I think about it, people used to come in to me and Mac with this toast and to be like, have you got anything this color? And I'd be like, no, (laughs) no, I don't. Get out. (laughs) And please close it because it's stinking. (laughs) But no, it's... um, like everybody's skin tone, there's like a combination of products that you use to get the finished result. Yeah. It's never just a foundation or just a concealer or just a powder. It's everything together. Mm-hmm. So your combination would be completely different to your friends, your sisters, your mom. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. So it's getting that prescription right. So for me, if you want to get the perfect foundation match, you should probably go and have your makeup done by a makeup artist yeah and I would recommend someone who's non-biased you know if you go into a counter yeah of course they're gonna sell as you as much as they're great it's their job to sell you everything from their range yeah but as a makeup artist I don't use just one range yeah I know that there's like concealers at one counter that's better than another mm-hmm. there's also a foundation that's better there that you know they don't do as well you know, powders from another company. Yeah. Everybody does their own thing better than another. So I think get someone's non-biased opinion. Also, do not try a foundation on the, your hand or your wrist. That's like, not the way to go. you're not the same color. Yeah. Like try it on your chest, try it on your jawline. That's the best way to try a color. And leave it set for like a few minutes. Okay. Because your foundation oxidizes. So... It's going to dry in the air and it could change color. So you might put it on and go, oh, that's perfect. Wipe it off and buy it. Then you get home, you put it on and you've got like an orange face. Oh, no. (laughs) I didn't realize it's it's different later. Yeah. God, there's so much to think about. There's so much to think of, but that's why you need to get a (laughs) prescription. Yes. That's what it is. It's basically a prescription for your skin. I have a question. So obviously you mentioned earlier on that you were senior artist for Mac. That brought you all over the world. You've done many different famous people's faces. I have. Who has had the most stunning skin that you've worked on? The most stunning skin, I have to say, was Nicole Scherzinger. Oh, for God's sake. Okay. Depressing. Yeah, go on. Tell us. (laughs) Tell it. Go on, Paula. Like a baby skin. It was like absolute butter, like not even a pore. Oh, she's for God's stunning. sake. Stunning. So she's one of the people who actually is like un- unrealistically gorgeous. Yeah. Okay. Like she's unfilteredly gorgeous. <laughs> what other like fabulous people have you Lena done? Christensen. Oh, fab. Doughty. Love her. 
Actually, Rosie Huntington is a Oh, dope. stop. What was, her, what was doing her makeup like? Do you know what? She was very young when I did her makeup. Okay. So she's the same as anyone else. She had a few little spots and blemishes. Yeah. You know, I think people have this idea that celebrities are perfect. Mm-hmm. But like, they're just the same as us. Yeah. And actually, they can be a little bit insecure. Yeah. Which is shocking to people. I can imagine. Yeah. Okay, Paula, obviously everyone is different. Everyone's insecurities are different. Mm. So say, for example, when it comes to, okay, if I was walking down the road and I was about to bump into someone that I didn't want to look totally shit in front of, the thing I would grab would be mascara. Okay. That's just what I, the way I am. I would love to just have my eyes look a bit wider and brighter. Even though I'm not mad about my skin, I wouldn't really care about my skin in that instance. Yes. But for you, what would that one product be? One product. It would have to be lip gloss. Ooh, like a clear lip gloss or like a colour? Like more like a balmy lip gloss. And you wouldn't care about your eyes or brows or... Really? I don't have any brows. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know what as well? People are so... A lot of people are so prepared these days. So even when they have a no makeup day, their brows look deadly. I know. They have lash extensions. Yes. They, you know, they have fake tan on. They're just not like the way we used to be. <laughs> I know. Oh, honestly, it's so unfair. It's like, and the young people as well. No. Like I'd I say, know. you know, going into school, it's like, oh yeah, it's no makeup day, but actually they have all their bits done. My girls are amazing at doing their makeup. Well, I mean, and they're, they're your children. No, but their friends are as well. Yeah. Oh yeah. But they the have all the thing knowledge. I absolutely hate is this, my girls don't do it because I would actually just not let them in the house. <laughs> Those eyelashes. I can't cope with them. Those big heavy eyelashes. I mean, how I can you even see through them? I, do you know what? I, they suit certain people, I'm sure. but And they look good, you know, in certain contexts when the rest of your makeup is done. But when you've no other when makeup, you've no on, makeup on. Yeah, I wouldn't. I'm not really a fan either. Yeah. I just find them a bit scary looking. Because <laughs> you can't see someone's eyes. I'm like, who am I talking to? It's like <laughs> someone talking to you with sunglasses on. Yeah. Like, so you would you. so you would grab lip gloss yeah or a lip or a Carmex like I just yeah I feel like my lips are always dry okay so nice and I always have to have them feel like they're moist, moist. Ooh, that word gross, gross. <laughs> it's a it's a gross word and then it's five products that you couldn't do without what would they be products or tools oh oh a combination Anything? of either okay. yeah so eyelash curler number one Really? I love my eyelash curler. Okay. Because I never wear eyelashes. Like I'll put them on maybe for a night out, like very special time, <laughs> very special night out. <laughs> I might go the effort. But on a day to day, I love just curl my lashes and then a bit of mascara. So they go together. Okay. That'll be two things. Yes. Definitely a bronzer. Yes. A concealer. Yes. And probably... Carmex. Carmex. Yeah. Was that what you were going to say? (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say a lip product. A lip product. Yeah. Stunning. But like eyelash curler, just a note, you have to invest in a good one. Okay, that's tough. Because people, I get people going, oh my God, but they'd chop your eyelashes off. No, they They shouldn't do that. Polly, you can't just rock in here and say you have a present for me when I don't have a present for you. What is the present? No, but I, we've talked about it. I don't remember. For ages. I don't, what? Well, it's kind of to do with me as well. Oh my God, show me. You were the first person, the first person ever to have this. I don't even have a collection for myself, but these are my new brushes. Don't. All of them. Don't do this to me. <laughs> what? Yeah. 
For me? For you. The entire set? The entire set. I had them specially delivered because like I don't even have them over in Ireland yet. Paula, how could I possibly take these? You are taking them. Oh, I, I know I am. Other... But how could I? <laughs> <laughs> oh my. This is the best Christmas ever. <laughs> this is just yeah. phenomenal. So I've added to the collection, as you can see. Well, the kabuki is my absolute favorite. There's a new kabuki as well. Oh my God, it's a new kabuki. No, that's not the new one. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Where's the new one? You'll see it there. Are these actually for me? They're actually for you. There's oh, only I... one other set in the country and that set are being photographed from my website. So I don't even have them. This is the most exclusive thing I've ever received. Ever. <laughs> I can't actually cope. Holly, you're my fairy godmother. Oh, you're I love special. you forever. Thank you I so love much. You too. Thank you. You're so like one of my children. <laughs> <laughs> At this stage, I mean, it has to be sad. You may have seen I shared on my Insta stories the gorgeous brushes that Paula gave me. I've yet to use them. I just kind of pawed them a little bit because they're so gorgeous. I'm just admiring them in the corner of the room. And when I do use them, I'll do some sort of a little tutorial. Um, not that I know what I'm doing really with makeup, but I like to. I like makeup and I like putting on makeup. So when I use them, I will uh, I will share that. So have a look on my Instagram and keep an eye out for that. Now, we've had Alison Keating on the show a couple of times and we have been inundated with queries to theirinandfriends at gmail.com and we've had to be selective about what we bring to the podcast because we want it to be something that everyone can get their teeth into. Pardon the, uh, the pun for the topic that we are going to be dealing with and you'll be hearing about it in a couple of minutes' time. It is all to do with sex. It's to do with kink in particular. And I know I, for one, am awkward about talking about these things. So to have Alison in the room to normalise it is so refreshing. So let's get to it. Okay, Alison, we have some lovely correspondence into theirinandfriends at gmail.com. So, hi, Theron and Alison. Your chats on the podcast are so helpful. Thanks for that. I felt seen when one of your mailers said she doesn't feel like having sex with her partner. I felt relieved not to be the only one. I'm 27. I used to enjoy sex with my boyfriend of five years, but recently something has changed for me. In conversations with my friends, I'm always amazed by how open they are about the stuff they are trying in the bedroom. One has been to a sex workshop that focused on kink. Don't get me wrong. I love listening to her talking about it. She's hilarious and I'm not a prude, but I have never shared back. But it's not just my friends. My partner and I would never talk about sex. And recently, I found myself beginning to wonder what he likes. If he's happy with what we do. If he's seen stuff on the internet and would like that more. I spiral about it at times, to be honest. It's in my head now, anytime we even begin to get jiggy. And it's such a massive turnoff. I know he's getting frustrated with it, but it's hard to explain to him what's happening. How do these conversations happen? I'd like to try stuff, but I don't know where to start. I need to shake it up, but I'm feeling fairly lost. Thanks, guys. Rachel. Um, I'd love to know what she likes because it's so much comparison. My friends are doing this and it's amazing. And that's what they're telling her. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's kind of, I feel for her saying she's not approved just because she's not into kink. But again, that's the measure people are going against. It's like, oh, I'm vanilla in the bedroom unless I actually like kink, you know? Yeah. Um, I'm just not hearing her asking herself what she likes. And that's where I'd start. Okay. Getting her to figure out um, the questions she wants to bring back to her boyfriend, I'd ask of herself first. So I was laughing the other day because 
uh, there's, there's one part of my book where I talk about sex and yeah. I, I go through some questions that I would love couples to go through. Yeah. And I remember doing the edit with my dad. Oh no! It's on Father's Day. No. So they were sitting at the kitchen table and the rest of the book's all about, you know, psychology and everything. And we get to the list, right? And it's like, you know, what was your best sexual experience and why? You know? No. <laughs> yeah. And no. it gets worse. And it's like, and what was your worst sexual experience and why? <laughs> and it goes on and on. And he just looks up and goes, <laughs> a list, Alison. <laughs> it's like, it's a bit cold, isn't it? I was like, oh, dear no. Jesus. Had you not thought that he was going to read that bit? Did it just not occur to you? I did, that but that what was part I do? Let's skip the sex yeah. bit, Dad. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, I couldn't do that. So I just sat there mortified. That is brilliant. <laughs> and and I thought it was amazing that he actually could come back and say to me, like, yeah. you're being really clinical. <laughs> but I still think it's brilliant. Yeah. Um, Because, like, when do people actually spend time thinking about what they actually like and all I'm hearing from this lady is she's up in her head yeah do you think it's an Irish thing or is it universal that we you could you could be in a two three year relationship have a healthy sex life but never actually talk about the ins and outs or what one of you likes the, <laughs> I love the, the ins, ins and outs, outs. <laughs> the ins and outs and ins and outs and ins and outs <laughs> But you know what I mean? Do you I do. Think, do you think it's an Irish thing or is it universal? Maybe there's more kind of inbuilt repression, suppression, yeah, Catholic guilt, shame, that it makes it difficult. And I think it's, I find it interesting as a psychologist when people are talking on the other, like not an extreme, but it seems more comfortable to talk about the kink or kind of, you know, whatever it is whereas actually talking more normal stuff yeah it feels like a more vulnerable space for people to say actually hey what do you like yeah you know or how is sex for you you know what do you like what turns you on what turns you off and those were the questions I actually had in my list (laughs) but I that's what I would suggest is actually what turns her on what turns her off figure that out first then go have that conversation with him something I also thought about is I wonder um is she on the pill Mm. because that can have a massive impact on libido yeah you know and it's something we don't do you see that a lot yeah so it's kind of like a bit unfair yeah (laughs) it's like okay we're doing the right stuff but actually then libido just tanks it's awful yeah so like that has a massive impact and like it's it's checking in actually if she's on the pill, is this actually suiting me? If not, have a chat with your GP and, and look at other options because it might just be libido as well. Mm-hmm. I think there's lots of factors coming into it, but I think actually genuinely writing down your list and then like, I would think this is a kind of a going to dinner thing, right? Yeah. Because... I love it. I love there's nowhere to escape. <laughs> yeah, I love this. Setting up the scenario so it's not a driving in the car thing. Yes. You think it's a dinner thing? I think it's a dinner thing. <laughs> I think it's a dinner thing because actually... It it would be nice to be in a setting where you're kind of there with each other mm. and you're having a chat. You you can go and have it at home as well. But I just think putting it in a setting where you're having a conversation and it's kind of like a date. Like there's so many conversations couples need to have. Um, and when you're saying is an Irish thing, like when I think of kind of, 
I don't know, even how we dress in Ireland. Like when I look to kind of like French and Italian women, there is a sensual kind of aspect to them that they, they, they seem in their body. Oh my God, I couldn't get over it in Paris recently yeah. when I was there. They are so in there. They are yes. so sure of themselves. Yes. And even like, they could be wearing an outfit that you mightn't like the outfit if it would, if it was hanging on a hanger but the way they wear clothes and the way clothes hang on them yeah. and how comfortable they are yeah. no matter what shape or size they are we don't have that as much in Ireland and I think we're getting better I think we're getting better but I think we feel we need the bells and whistles yes all the time <laughs> yeah. true whereas like um, that ability just to wear a t-shirt and a pair of jeans and a nice jacket yeah but it's them inside those clothes that you know they're comfortable in their own skin and that is sexy. So sexy. Like, I think it's to actually ask him, what does he find sexy? And then, but then I I hear a little bit of kind of insecurity. Like, it's like, you know, what's he looking at on the internet? Um, Just ask. But the tone is always kind of inviting. It's not an accusation. And I don't think she's saying it in an accusatory way there. But I think it's this comparison to everybody's having great sex, except for us. And do you think in settings like that, you know, I, I, the way I pictured her with her friends, are they out having drinks and, yes. and whatever? And do you think people talk up how, you know, how kinky they maybe actually are? It sounds a bit Samantha-esque, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, I'm, that's what I'm picturing. I'm like, this yeah. cosmopolitan's flowing. Totally. But... Yeah. And I mean, I kind of, I hear a respect mm. that she's not sharing what's going on in their relationship with the friends. Like that kind of maybe is a thing that might happen earlier in relationships. But if you're going to be in a relationship long-term. Yeah. Like I always just think swap roles. Would you want your partner down the pub? Oh, 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 oh. wait till I tell you what Darren did. Like, do you know what I mean? Oh my God, no. But I think we have to put the same respect back and we don't put that on women sometimes. So I think she's being respectful yeah, that that's so true. what they're doing in, you know, like sexually is, is private. Mm. Um, I just don't hear her in her body. And I think like to, to, like I said, you know, having sex and for it to be sexy, it needs to be a sensual experience, Yeah, which I think is really difficult. Like, where did you learn it from? Um, and then I would go into like what happened at home. So if you're watching TV and the parent comes in and goes, oh, is this PG? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, what was it like in your family? Like, where is... So this all shapes how you oh, feel about yourself. And... So when you're saying about nature, nurture, like I think, you know, how sex was viewed, how it was spoken about um, is is so, so important. And I think, you know, understanding each other's norms it's a great conversation. Yeah. So in one family, it's like, you know, Glen Rowe is too much. Whereas we were watching Dynasty at home. <laughs> we were wild. Like, do you know what I mean? <laughs> and I think it's just like, what's normal for one person is, is exceptionally difficult and kind of shrouded in shame. So I think just getting back in contact with your body, mm. actually knowing what you actually like. And I suppose sometimes in Ireland, like, say people are having sex and they feel they need alcohol or to numb out in other yes. ways to actually kind of be there and, and with each other and ask it's it's super vulnerable but it's very very connecting and I think that intimacy piece is much more than someone saying oh wow we did kink I swung from the chandelier yeah, you know I mean? yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's not a good idea <laughs> I jumped off the wardrobe yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> the wardrobe fell on me <laughs> you know like yeah. I don't know like I think 
I think the real conversations are really sexy. Yeah. Um, and there's risk. Yes. There's uh, always risk. But the, on the alcohol thing, I think that's so massive. And uh, probably again, not just in Ireland, wherever. But a lot of dating at the start revolves around alcohol. For You know, it's the easiest way. Go, let's go to a bar. Let's go for, you know, the third date might be dinner with drinks or whatever. And I've had friends in the past who six weeks into seeing someone that they thought they were mad about and it was all this whirlwind. Yeah. They then go on their, you know, their sober date might be the cinema and that's fine. But then the next sober date is at home on the couch where they actually have to chat to each other. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh God, I don't actually have a clue who this person is. Yeah. And I, we don't have the same sense of humor. It was all grand when there was drink involved. No sense of humor, not the same. Bye. Yeah. That's a deal breaker for me. Is, yeah. Oh God, yeah. Yeah, you have to. Like that's everything. So isn't it interesting though, like that that point of connection when it's just the two of you, Yeah. nothing else. It does tell a lot, doesn't it? Massively. Yeah. Normal people popped into my head there when you were talking about um, the, the comfortable conversations, the uncomfortable conversations. I think that's why it resonated so much with not just Irish people, with uh, universally it was loved. But <laughs> I remember at the time, one of my friends watching it with her boyfriend and there were maybe three episodes in and he was like, oh, like, do we have to keep watching this? This is fucking boring. And she was like, shut up. He is you. You are him. <laughs> wow. <laughs> she was like, watch it. That is you. You cannot, com- you, you couldn't communicate with me at the start. Oh my God. And it was just resonated so much, I think, with, with Irish people. Yeah. Just, and everything. I don't know if you saw it, but it was like, just... The amount of things that were unsaid yes. was what was crippling and so sad about that love story. There was so much unsaid that both wanted to say, but the communication just was not there and they didn't have the confidence or the vocabulary yeah. or the maturity to just say what they actually felt. And then that leads to so much misunderstanding. So it's just so true what you said. You know, the moment where you're saying, if you're with your other half and to just say, how do you feel about this? Are you awkward yeah, about this? Yeah. Just saying what's in your head. Yeah. We completely underestimate how important that is. Like I get asked a lot, like, what should I say about this? And how will I go about that? And I say, say exactly what you just said to me. Yeah. Like what you think in your head, like your first reaction. So say, often say people are talking to me and someone's been really rude to them. And they're like, oh my God, I can't believe they actually said that. I say, say that. And yeah. I say, but you, you kind of bounce it back and say, oh my God. I can't believe you actually just said that, <laughs> you know, and, yeah. and like, I'm not, it's, it's not aggressive, but it's calling out like, and again, I think it's a very Irish thing, isn't it? Yeah. People saying things, thinking they can get away with it. Yes. And it actually not being okay. Whereas I think call someone on their crap and mm. say, oh my God, did I hear you right? Did you just say, and then they'll either like, oh no, Retreat. I didn't. Or they'll try again. Yes. And you have to stand back up again and say, wow, thanks. That was really mean. Yeah. Or rude. Or, you know what I mean? And then you have no regrets because you've addressed it. Like the thoughts in your head are good. Your initial reaction often is correct. When someone says something and you feel like, ooh, you're you're really most probably right. Because I mean, a lot of... You know, what happens is our body reacts before our brain does. Yes. So it's that interoception. So we pick up on kind of people might be saying one thing, but you know they mean something else. Yes. Even if they're words, but their words aren't matching with their body language, their words aren't matching with how they're actually going about it. So I just think, you know, 
I, I even loved the name normal people. Yeah. Like these are normal conversations. But if we think of our heritage, there was so much shame oh, yeah. around sex. And like it was a sin to think about sex, to talk about sex. So like this is very, very new. Mm. But, but from my perspective, I would love it to come in more normal couch stuff. Yeah. I'd love those sex conversations to happen actually on the couch um, in a safe environment. Can we go back to the internet thing for a second? Yes. Um, How often do you see that being a problem within relationships? The expectations versus reality and whether it's men or women watching porn online or even just seeing bodies online, whether that's Instagram or or Mm. elsewhere, OnlyFans, whatever they're into. Is that becoming a bigger problem, do you think, in relationships? I think it's becoming a bigger problem for everybody because you don't look like that. And that's the vulnerable part I'm talking about. Yes. You take your clothes off. You're like, oh my God, I don't look like what we're watching or, you know, and I think the pressure is on men and women Mm -hmm. on whether they're same sex relationship or whatever. I think the pressure is just enormous. I saw something the other day and it was saying that if they were younger Mm. and they were living in this world and they were viewing pornography and saw it, they wouldn't want to grow up and have a relationship and have sex. And I thought that was such an indictment of where we actually are. And I I do worry sometimes about the impact kind of younger, impressionable minds have because they don't have that filter going, well, of course I don't look like that. Yeah. You know, so... It's, again, just discussion. I think it's very, very personal and specific. I think it's kind of putting the shame aside, putting the judgment aside and kind of going, how's that for you? Actually, I feel really uncomfortable with this because I feel insecure in myself. And it isn't just a female thing, it's male as well. Yeah. It's not exclusive to one. Yeah. And again, you're back in your head then. So you're trying to have sex. This lady says she's trying to get jiggy with it. And what she's doing is she's in her head and she's thinking, oh man, I really don't look like that woman. Mm Mm-hmm. But she mightn't realize that he's also feeling like I don't look like him either. That's it. And you you, you, you can get so wrapped up in your own yeah. insecurities. You forget that they have them as well. Exactly. And there's two of you in it. Yeah. So for Rachel. For Rachel, I would suggest like you've heard it before, but like just simple things like maybe bring like take the sex out mm. for a little bit and say, let's get to know each other again. And like, it could just be like, you know, sitting on the couch and you give each other a massage, but there's no sex. Okay. And you actually like qualify it at the beginning. Like you do see those funny memes and it's like, you know, like, how was I born? It's like, you know, all I wanted was a back rub. Like, you know, so I think, I think you qualify at the beginning and actually it's true, isn't it? Right. (laughs) So like, ask yourself what it is that you actually like, you know? And like, say you're giving each other a massage, like it's like, oh, I really like it when you go a little harder. I actually really like it soft. And it seems like she's curious as well. So I'm like, maybe she could bring in a blindfold. Like it might, like an ice cube. Yeah. It might be something that isn't full on kink, mm-hmm. but it's something that they discuss together and, and it's their thing. It's private and it's not going to be over Cosmo Baldwin's talked about. Well, ha here's what we did. Yeah. You know? Thank you as always to Alison Keating. I think you'll agree. She makes us all feel just a bit more. <sighs> and thank you so much to Paula as well. She does. She has the same effect. 
I think she has the same effect. Uh, I really hope you enjoyed today's episode. And if you did, please help us let people know about the podcast by subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is produced by Chemistry Media and Collaborative Studios. And this season of Theron and Friends is brought to you by FNF Fashion at Tesco.